of Adel Amarcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adel Amarcy. And today, and I still feel a little bit rough, so my voice is going to sound pretty much out there. But today, I'm actually really pleased to bring you our guest. You guys have seen his name, Ben Cardall. Uh, how the hell do I say your name? Uh, Cardall's fine. Yeah, how do you say your name? I uh, Ben Cardall. Okay, fair enough. That's the way it is. That's how it's always going to be now. But yeah, so Ben... <laughs> I met Ben at our show, uh, uh, at this show's one of our close friends, Chase Hughes, uh, at his event in London, the behavioral analysis one. I don't even know what he called it. I just, I, take it this way, I gatecrashed that event. I'm going to the proper one in August, but I gatecrashed that one because he told me to. But one of the people told me that Ben is like the modern day Sherlock, except for I'd say he's prettier, so there's a difference. Oh, It's those eyes, man. He just gets me all the time. Damn. <laughs> Just right there. And the beard. The eyes and the beard just get me. But anyway, man is actually incredible because I saw him very quickly deduce a couple of things about me, relatively quickly. Um, and to find him at that workshop was not surprising considering it's now taking his powers to a whole new level. So with that being said, I wanted to get him on the show before he became insanely famous and really hard to get a hold of. Hey, <laughs> welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, mate. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello, everybody. How are um, you all? Oh, man, I'm glad that you're here. So, just a real quick heads up. I've done zero research on what your background is, except for that I know that you fidget like I do and that you can yes. read people very, very quickly. So, <laughs> please give us your background. Uh, my background, well, initially I started uh, performing magic, sleight of hand, uh, cards, coins, that type of thing. Um, but then I've, I've got a bit of a nerves issue in my left hand, so every now and again it just sort of shakes uncontrollably. Oh. And as you may well know, for a, a sleight of hand performer, your hands are pretty much <laughs> very, everything. Yeah, yeah they're imperative to a, a good working uh, a working uh, performance. Uh, so I, I gave that up in lieu of my passions anyway, and started to perform more as a mind reader. Uh, and but in my in my hobbies, I, I was always more fascinated with Sherlock Holmes and have been since the tender age of fourteen. Yeah, um, and. Uh, I, I pretty much there's pretty much not been a day gone by where I've not been researching, practicing, training, developing, and that merged very well with the whole pretending to read minds element because you could gain such uh, a, a direct insight into these people after meeting them for only a few seconds that most mind reading tricks can't do. And um, so yeah, I. I I've started uh, teaching this stuff now, so I, I, um, I teach this uh, four or five times a week. We've talked to small businesses, we've got training materials going out now, and we've started to cultivate this real network of, of like-minded people that are, are trying to push this deductive art form as far as it can possibly go. I had no idea you were teaching, that's kind of insane. I'm, uh, I'm now coming to one of these. Consider me gate crashing again. It's pretty much how I get by in my life is I just show up at things and people are like, we like him. I was yes. like, it helps. <laughs> he gives good hugs and he's kind of funny. Let him in. Kind of yeah. way. But uh, anyway, so I was going to ask you, how did you actually get into it particularly? Because someone as a, for me, like when I went through this, very similar to how Chase did, it was the seduction pickup world that kind of taught me a lot of the skills that I have. Yeah. Um, from, but from that, and this is where I was going to qualify this, from that, the way that I actually really embraced it was I started looking at people's, 
body procedures based on different systems like the disc system or kind of like jumping off to Myers-Briggs and all the other fun stuff and like developing two questions to ask like are you more outgoing or reserved are you more people friendly or task focused now how do you what was your methodology to begin with and what have you done now that's different well when I, when I started in high school um, my sort of fascination was brought about um, through the lies that people tell because uh, long story short, my very first love at the time, I found out that she was cheating on me with my best friend. Uh, what for a dick. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And um, it, it's one of the many reasons that I have everybody lies tattooed on my hand. Um, but it, emotional baggage aside. Um, <laughs> yes, I'll, swiftly passing that by. <laughs> I was always more fascinated with uh, these sort of social display patterns. Like, mm -hmm. I, I was considered to be one of the popular kids in speech patterns, but I never made an effort to be that. I just understood the way these certain groups behaved in order to try and uh, become successful within them, as, a, as you know, as in a successful relationship within as them. As you do as a, as a kid, basically, because that's survival. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely, and uh, with uh, and it wasn't until talking to a, a, a chap, Eric Hunley, the other day, he pointed out that my asthma would have played a large part of being sat at the sidelines and watching people and how they move and how they interact with certain people. Like um, I started to look at some of the smiles that people would show to certain people and they wouldn't show to others. Why is this a real smile? Why is it being shown to her and not them? Why is he showing it for this amount of time? And all of these questions started to develop into this real obsessive approach towards reading people and dynamics so i just immersed myself in the world of uh, of body language reading facial expressions lie detection I, I spent years cultivating my memory so i could actually use all this stuff of uh, certain times when i've met a certain person and i've got all of these laundry lists of, uh, of moments where i've met similar people towards them so i can bring this army of information with me i'm trying to just cultivate as many different strings to this cognitive bow as I can to make myself as prepared for any situation in terms of reading people as I can be. Which is really powerful in its own right, because once you actually really have that power to invest, not investigate, but view people from a different vantage point, you really do hold all the cards. Because I, I've, um, with my own story, like, I only realized today while speaking to a friend of mine for a photography thing, they asked me what my love of psychology and copywriting is. Like, why do I believe certain words have certain powers over people? Yeah. Because as good as Chase is at the nonverbal communication, that that's where I'm at with the verbal and written communication, because that's what I do. Yeah. So with that, it really, it I didn't really realize why it was until I really sat down and studied it and went, Oh shit, I, because the way I grew up was I grew up in a pretty fucked up home, which most people did anyway. It's kind of a sad and so sobering fact yeah. to always be better. <clears throat> but I actually figured out that I had to read patterns to figure out what was really going on. Like, why, what was being said? Was it meant to protect me? Was it meant to hide me? Was it meant to, did I have to agree with this in order? Was it a rhetorical question? So if I didn't, if I answered this question in any other way than the question was being asked, and I was going to be as little smart ass, I'm in trouble. So it's kind of like figuring out how to not get in trouble and survive. Yeah, reading between the lines. Yeah, between what people say. I mean, um, was it Milton? 
what's his name? The really, the, like the father of body language. God, what's his name? Famous psychologist. Uh, Ekman? No, no, no. This one's like really old. Like, Milton, it's not Milton Burrow. Um, I, I, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, could be Erickson. I don't know. Milton Erickson's the, the hypnotherapist. The That's the one. Knew I'd get there in the end. Yeah, like Milton Erickson, like, his whole theory, like, did you ever hear about, like, how he ended up figuring out what he knew? I, I've read bits and bobs, not as much as I want to, to be honest, just because I don't have it available to get a hold of. Yeah. Well, his stuff is insanely hard to get a hold of, but no, um, if you read The Laws of Human Nature, <clears throat> he is uh, actually mentioned in there, and it's insane because, like, the thing that he's mentioned in is um, it's how he developed reading micro expressions because yeah. he was bed bound for a very long time as a child. He was bedridden for a few years. So he'd understand the inflections of his sisters and the inflections of his mom and his dad and what was said and what was really being said. Yeah. And this helped him like this is how he like created such a strong mind, but more importantly, when he was running up his own practice, he actually had it where um, a woman walked in, like one of the stories, like a woman walked in, sat down in front of him, and he said, could you please get up and walk back in? And she goes, why? He goes, just walk back in for me she, and tell me the same problem. The problem was something like, my husband's going, we're going to be going abroad and I'm afraid of flying. Right. And as he told her to leave, she came back, as she came back and she sat down and he goes, oh, <clears throat> you're not afraid of flying. You're afraid your husband's going to find out about the affair that you've been having with his friend. Oh. And she was like, wait, what? He was like, the way that you sat down, the way that you paused between the words abroad, and you also knew your husband was cheating on you with someone else, so you did not want to get into that little triangle there. And he, like, completely busted this whole thing open just by the way that she walked in and sat down. I was like, damn. It's really? crazy. And just as a side note for everyone listening, this episode is sponsored by bencardall.com which is c-a-d-a-l-l.com and also sponsored by audible.com if you go to adelamarcy.com forward slash audible you'll be able to get a 30-day trial and i do recommend reading uh laws of human nature because it's 28 freaking hours of audio that is so intense that i'm only like three uh, three quarters of the way through the book I also have the physical book. The physical book is, like, huge. It's, like, the biggest book he's ever written. Oh, I'll definitely be doing that for sure. Oh, it's brilliant. And you get one free credit. I mean, like, I always, I'm I'm a complete cheapskate at times, so, like, I'll get the one free credit, find the most expensive audiobook I can find, get one credit mine. And that <laughs> way I'm like, hey, it was 50 pounds. Boom. I just, yeah, saved myself money because the audiobook for this one, I think, is, like, 20 or something. It's, it's fun and ridiculous. Anyway, so what was it about... Um, so we know what it was about, like, human nature and studying it and stuff. But, yeah. like, how did you transition that into making it a full-time career? Well, the, the good thing about marrying it with um, pre pretending to be a mind reader is the, the dynamic of those scenarios when you tell someone you're a mind reader or you're a mentalist or you're a magician, those particular buzzwords, the sort of unspoken truth of the whole event is that you're going to lie to me uh, and I'm going to have to try and believe you to try and get something entertaining out of it, right? So in going into those scenarios in as much uh, detail as I can 
doing exactly what I say that I'm doing, um, the first thing, the first thought that usually passes through Joe Bloggs' mind is, okay, he's not doing this. So they're then looking for the trick of the scenario. And when it's not there, the whole thing becomes much more, uh, much more powerful, much more intriguing. It's not so much the, the magic reaction of, ah, you know, where people run around screaming. It's very, it's very implosive and um, on a much more cellular level almost yep. because you've shown them something that just devastated their entire thought pattern at that time. And the, the, the things married together quite well. And I'm not saying that I don't use tricks when I'm out performing. Oh, no, we do, but it's they're very, very subtle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but there's there's certain things that I do, like if I, if I ever told somebody that like, I've memorized a book, and um, they're like, yeah, but how'd you do it? I memorized the book. But really, I memorized the book. <laughs> and then you, they then put the, the trick, as it were, in their hands. And also, what's on this page? What's on this page? What's on this page? And you rattle it off every now and again. It then becomes either one of two things. Either you're the most amazing thing that they've ever seen, or this is the most amazing trick that they've ever seen. Either way, that works towards your performance angle and your your growth and your name and your, your products that you're that you're showing to these people, which is is your is your you know, your style, your image, your performance that you give to them. And it just it just hit really well with with some people, the fact that uh, I can either perform with props and give everybody a, a laugh and a good time. Uh, or I can perform with nothing in the way, uh, you know, a, a quote-unquote mentalist should um, and, and show them that I can know more about them than I than I really should be able to. It's one of the, the lines that drives my lectures when I lecture for magic clubs and societies. Um, like I open with the statement of, so if you're a magician or a mentalist, what are you exactly? Are you a magician or a, me or a mentalist? Or are you just a likable person that knows where to shop? Mm. You know, and I, I like that you can draw the distinction between those elements because there are there are certain uh, elements within the field of magic mentalism and performance that you know try to make their money on no skill required, no memory work required, no this required, no that required. So why are you even standing there? Why yeah. are you shopping this person? You know, are you just a likable chap that can make someone do? temporarily good just through being there which is a great quality in and of itself but if you're there telling somebody you are a mind reader you sure as shit better be able to read some minds exactly i mean you can't really fake but you you can but i mean in the sense of like you don't want to because it's kind of the whole thing where so to draw this comparison for at least for me it's the idea that i don't like people going around saying they're copywriters when they themselves don't know what they're doing they're like I wrote a letter once. It's like, okay, that's cool. But what results did it get? What results did it have for your clients? And more importantly, what structural formatting were you using? And like, I don't use structural formatting because I think it's too restrictive. I'm like, I used to be such an idealist like you and then realize that you're stupid because <laughs> believe it or not, when you realize there is structure, you have order. When you have integrity and order and structure, you can rattle off things off the cuff like I do. Absolutely. Now, my curiosity is how much stock do you put into what I like to call empathy? Like for those that are empathic or empaths themselves, because I do yeah. believe that you are one. Um, 
how much stock do you put into that as that having an effect on what you do? Um, to fall too deeply into the ways of an empath, if you're trying to read situations from a uh, purely deductive logic, you know, I mean, there are, there are those that quibble over the terminology of deduction anyway, because it's not the real pragmatic logical approach that Holmes used. It was abduction and induction. To me, I don't care. So long as you know exactly what you're doing, you call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but that's that's just my side little gripe. Anyway, so if if you're coming at it from that angle, um, then if you fall too deeply into it, so you lose the sense of the situation because you're so in tune with this person's feelings and thoughts, then it can become antagonistic to clear reasoning, which is why, uh, you know, partners have been able to lie to me before, which is another reason why I, I got tattooed on my hand. Um, and so I, I sort of have a bit of uh, like a yin-yang approach towards uh, an empathic read of somebody because right. I, I can't, I can't, conceivably justify of a situation where pure, cold, hard reasoning is going to get you to the truth the whole time. The same can be said of, of, of true empath work. I think the two marry together quite well, and you have to know exactly the time to be able to use both, depending upon which person in front of So say, for example, you needed to read, I don't know, the, the, the quintessential hippie-esque archetype. Now, if you come at this person with uh, science and logic and reason, yeah. uh, then you, you're going to get nothing. The, uh, you know, to paraphrase Star Trek, the shields are going to go up, which is going to make, I mean, you can break them down, it's fine. But if you want a much more smooth time towards information and truth, then it's best to understand their approach and use that. And it's only through understanding how you use it yourself that it will come across as genuine. So... It's the difference between using it as a front, which I don't really agree with anyway. I think you've got to be in tune with as, with as many different things as possible and definitely empath work and just being empathetic towards uh, a fellow human uh, is, is the greatest way to go about it. I, I think that's way, uh, the way that Sherlock was often misconstrued as being this emotionless... Unflinching machine when in reality... He wasn't. He was very much a deductive, I feel how this feels, and then uses, have a feeling, <clears throat> and I use the evidence around me to back up my feeling. Exactly. Beat me to it. You know, the, 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 he, he knew when to use which approach to achieve the end. And I, I, I think that's where, you know, accuracy within this deductive field will come from. Oh, entirely. I mean, it's as time goes on, this will become more and more obvious because I love that people say that only 5% of the global population are empathic or have like high empathy. I'm like, I think they need to restructure that because I've met way too many of those people lately. I'm like, I'm sorry, the 5% don't hang out that often. No. It's quantifying something like that as well. That seems to be more of a, uh, more of a, uh, like a, yeah, like like just a, a brush to tar a, a large group of people with. When, Which is you know, weird in its own right to even do that. Now I'm curious, what breed dog do you have? Yeah, this one's a Labrador. <coughs> oh, so adorable. He's a Labrador. And um, I, my, my puppy's in the kitchen, 
but she's only she's only locked out into the kitchen because she would not be quiet. Because yeah. <laughs> she's, she's only just turned one, and she'd be yapping at the other noise that she could hear in the room, which would be you. Every other noise besides me, even my girlfriend when she's here, bah, 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 the, the whole time. I can imagine. I have two cats. Like I got my Bengal spade a couple of years ago. Like if you listen to the earliest recordings of my show. I just gave up and started introducing my cat as the co-guest uh, co-guest uh, host. I was like, he's the co-host for today. He's like, why? He's like, because he just won't shut up. So <laughs> if he wants his word in, screw it, move him in. That's it. Absolutely. People like that. It was a lot of fun. So as far as it goes with like living a pretty, like there's a misconception that if you actually do have these thought processes, then you can't really live a, what is known as a basically normal life. Yeah. <clears throat> like, do you find that's true? Because, at least for me, on on some level, and I couldn't live what I call a normal life anyway, because that just sounds boring as all hell to me. Um, but having the whole idea of being able to see things that most people can't, or at least being able to entertain them and actually really get a feel of things, as into what we both do uh, in yeah. our own respects. Do you find it harder to actually, especially when it's stuff like dating, do you find that it's a little bit more difficult to like go in? Because I don't know about you, but definitely for me, I used to have my guard really high when I was younger and now my guard is not as high, but because I'm like, screw it, I just want them to see who I am. I don't want to run around the whole thing, yeah. but that scares people off as well. Yeah, no, massively, massively. It's my my dating life has been problematic for years, you know? Yeah. Um, I have been married. I'm also divorced. Um, I have been in several relationships that didn't really go the way you know you would hope that these would go. And I'm not saying it's totally down to living this way of life, but it definitely plays a part. Yeah. Because in in those times, like um, when there was the, there is you know there is the uh, the situation where something's gone wrong in you know. This, this partner's life and they just want somebody to either listen or help them solve it and a lot of the times the people who just want to solve it are trying to talk to the people who want to listen uh, and the people who just you know vice vice versa so you can understand it in that sense and, and help people uh, you know get to where they want to be much faster than everybody else but it's the fact that oftentimes they have no barriers they have no secrets, um, you know. Like a, a problem with my, my ex before the before the lady I'm, I'm with at this moment. Um, she didn't like the fact that I always, and to use her words, was I always seemed to know everything. Yeah. And, like, um, she didn't like the fact that she couldn't hide smoking from me. God knows why she tried to do that anyway. Um, she didn't like the fact that uh, you know I knew she'd been cheating on me before she had the courage to tell me. And yeah. th those scenarios are mind-boggling because this other person's in the wrong, but they projected that onto me purely because I knew about it before they told me. Yeah, and somehow you're wrong for not for doing that. I, no, I, I always find that hilarious. Exactly. You know, and when, I'm, when I'm trying to, like with a lot of my, my girlfriend at the moment's friends at the minute, but a lot of them, uh, you know, they don't really know how to be around me until, you know, they spend enough time to get to know me. But that, that initial uh, meeting of somebody, or this is Ben, he does this, he know everything about you, whatever, 
embellishments that friends want to do. Um, it's, it's often difficult to meet and socialize with people when they are just fearing that you know everything about them and know their thoughts. There's nothing worse than feeling uh, naked when you're so fully clothed. Agreed. It's one of those really weird things where, and it is a downside to be fair, yeah. where um, when you meet a new group of people, and I've actually experienced that as well, this is Adol, he's really good at this thing, and then all of a sudden it's like, um, no, <laughs> like, that's not what I want to do. I just want to have a conversation with you like a normal person. I'm not analyzing what you're doing. Absolutely. And I'm currently looking over at my cat because I got them new, um, I got them new f uh, feeders, like automatic feeders. So oh, it's nice. like, there's one, it's a three and a half liter water bottle. Yeah, so it's like quite, a, it's not huge, but it's like a foot high, it's quite wide. And I was like, oh, that'd be really good, like, for when I go away and stuff. And I just seen my boy, like, trying to pull at it. Like, I'm going to pull this thing down. Like, don't do that. Don't that, do that. Don't that, be an asshole. Yeah, well, well, this guy, you know, <clears throat> he's, he's old. He's, he's 13 years old now. Mm. So he's, he's just about sitting, feeding, and going for a nice steady walk. That's, that, that's where he's got to in his life. He's like, I'm at that point of contention. <laughs> Mine are five and four. They, they're still crazy. Oh, it's a beautiful age, though, to be fair. And really I just like that. I don't know if you can see as well with my camera being on. How old he gets, he just gets greyer in the beard. Yeah, he really does. I was like, I was going to say that earlier. I was like, I think that's how you know how old a dog is, how grey his beard is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, unlike humans, which we can dye our facial hair, but absolutely. still, you can usually tell. I'm still, this is how messed up it is. I'm still looking for the grey hairs that I found a couple of, like, last year. I had four. One in my beard, one in my mustache, one in my sideburns, one in my hair. And I was like, I pulled them all out. Not because I was like annoyed about it, just because I wanted to make sure that it was grey, not like some weird ass colors. I was like, oh my god, this is actually grey. And I was like, wait, I pulled this one out. Does that mean more will grow? I'm actually excited about going grey. Yeah, it's like, that, that silver fox dynamic. Yeah, I, I'm, well, I'm almost that. I'm 30 this year, so I'm kind of like, come on, 35. That's when I want to hit it. But it's like, no. I, I get I bet you what's probably going to happen is my family genes are going to kick in and I was like you're going to still look like this when you're like in your 50s and maybe a couple of grey hairs I was like, fuckers Damn well it. I thought I thought the same about mine as well because I, I come from a family of hairy people we are virtually apes <laughs> dude I'm brown I know exactly what you mean <laughs> <laughs> I had I had hair maybe to my mid back as, as early as last year and um, it, it started to fall out and then it just started to recede over the over the point of a, a couple See, of months. I like this look on you way better than the one that you have on your website. Oh, thank you. This look just looks way more, because like the thing is, um, the other website, you look like a regular guy that's like, yeah, I'm just a regular guy, I can do stuff. Whereas this, you can totally play up so many things. I mean, I was thinking about this today, I was like, Okay, would he be pissed off if I made him dress up like Rasputin for a, for a day or two? I was like, he could totally get away with that. I'm not doing I'm the, I'm the nice Rasputin. He was the asshole. He was the yang. I'm the yin. That's how we work out. It's 100 years apart. I'm sorry. It's like Stadler pulled off. We just misunderstood. Yeah, to be fair, you could write, base an entire show on time travel and mentalism on that as well and just be like, no, I'm Rasputin. I'm basically 100 years apart. I'm going to take you back to this time and show you what would have done, what would have happened. 
and just fuck with people that way but in oh, a good way like entertain them is what i meant um that's just the, the, the urban dictionary term yeah pretty much just you know <laughs> fuck with them is my nice way of saying ah, make them feel good yeah well you know that's that's entertainment in a shrewd form it's like the way people discuss sarcasm being the lowest form it's still a form it's still wit by that very sentence and it's a beautiful beautiful comedic uh, outlook to have on life I still love the fact that people think that's the lowest form of wit. I'm like, no, it's not. Have you heard some of the sarcastic comments that people come out with? They're like killers. My friend's grandmother, who, ooh, this is it, I found this out when I went to Belfast. My friend's grandmother probably holds the greatest comeback, in my opinion, that she's ever said. Really? My friend's cousin, Andrew, uh, he was saying something about, I love this thing with my entire heart and soul. And his 90-year-old grandma's in the room. She turned around and was like, I don't believe you. Because you need to, uh, for that to be true, you would actually need to have a heart and soul. And oh, just, oh, like, oh. ruined him. Just oh, ruined oh. him right there. <clears throat> and I was like, god oh. damn. Ref takes the point away. Brilliant. I love it when, like, grandparents do that, though. Like, that's, that's if I ever, well, I don't have any kids. But when I do become a granddad in multiple generations time, because I'm about to be an uncle, I want to be that grandparent. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my sister's about to uh, give birth throughout. It's going to be a week after we shoot this, and I'll be an uncle when the show airs. And, of course, I will be occasionally taking photos with that little bastard and just like, like this is him. Or her. Or him or her, we don't know, because they didn't want to find out. I don't understand that. That doesn't compute my brain. We have the technology find out what it is. Find out what it is. Absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree more. When when my two were born, I, there was the whole, you know, thrown into Are you going to find out? You, of course I'm going to find out. I, I want to prepare my life for this human that's going to come in. I'm not going to try and decorate a room with another baby there. That's, that's the worst situation to be in. It's already stressful enough. Oh, yeah. Plus, also taking to the effect, uh, effects, especially for being male. Um yeah, if it's a girl, we need to start mental preparation for their teen years. I'm sorry, <laughs> mums out there. Like, we don't have, you don't understand how much mental preparation we need to go through for dadhood for a teenage girl or a teenage boy. Because teenage boys, we've got the thing where it's like, I was a teenage boy. I can handle them. We didn't, we were not teenage girls. We don't know how to handle them. No, I like, all right, like my idea of having a teenage daughter is kind of like, Shit, is this going to turn out with me back in high school? Except I'm going to be like, she's the popular kid and I'm not so much the popular kid. And I'm like, Dad, no. can I have money? I'm like, why am I being bullied and, ex like, what's it called? Um, extorted by my child? Probably. <laughs> Probably. So I've got to, like, mentally train myself to be like, go speak to your mother about that. Your mum controls the bank. She you can go yeah. ask her. My kids give me great practice at lie detection. Um, because yeah. it, it's because it, it's the unimportant ones where there are no stakes involved. Because so the tells are arguably quite small. It's the lies about homework or what have you been doing? You know the, these types of things. The, the great practice. Like my son's thirteen now, and uh, FYI, random, he's taller than me, which is is a, Wait, is a how tall is he? Because I've met you. You're you're quite tall. I, I'm six foot two. Yeah. My son's taller than me. How tall is he? Uh, and, and he's not that much taller than me, but so I guess... Six but he's 13, tall. though. He's going to keep growing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's we're looking, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, when he tops out? Easily. He's, he's going he's gonna to be, you know, 
talking to them, you know, craning your neck just to try and have a conversation. My daughter, on the other hand, is is hilarious. In, I mean, she's average height for a, a lady of eight. But she, <laughs> whenever they'll talk about uh, boys, she always talks about them being gross, which is great to hear. Uh, but she came Until, up, like, she's, like, 15 and you're like, damn it. Yeah, it just reminded me, a few weeks ago, she actually said to me, I'd never bring one to meet you anyway. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, he wouldn't stand a chance. Yes! Yeah, see, my whole thing is not to let my children know what I can do. To like, It's just like, I will sit there and quietly work it out, like, write a little report and give it to the wife and be like, this is the next, next discussion you have with our child. I can't wait to be a terrible parent. Like, I just can't wait. Like, like my right. my friend tells me off of this. She's like, she's going to be a, uh, she's trained to be a psychologist, and she makes me laugh so hard. She hates me for this. She's like, <laughs> because there's that whole thing. Like, your kids are never going to get out of like childhood without yeah. some scarring. You uh, parents are going to parents are going to fuck them up anyway. My response to that is, why can't I enjoy that process as well? So if I'm going to scar them, I might as well get a good story out of it. So it's like, what happened that one time with my kid? Well, they have issues with performance anxiety. Why? They kept trying to dance off beat, mind you, to a really good song that I enjoyed. So I decided to dance off them behind their back and actually like video bomb them. And like, <laughs> yeah, you would do that now, wouldn't you? I was like, yes, I actually would. And I probably will do to my niece or nephew as well, because that would be hilarious to me. It's, it's, it's a great thing to do. I, I'm like, I'm uh, maybe three or four years old, my kids. You know, you get the the eponymous wobblies that they throw yeah. in supermarkets. Uh, I decided to beat them, you know. Like having one of your own? Yeah, they squealed. I squealed louder. And uh, <laughs> it, it got to the point where there was this, this unspoken word between you and your children that if you freak out i'm going to embarrass the shit out of you and you're going to hate it i aren't going to be bothered See, <laughs> my, my way of doing that as far as i know is i'm just going to video them <laughs> i'm just going to pull my phone out and video them what are you doing videoing you why evidence why because when you're 18 i'm going to play this back to you <laughs> yes. that's Okay, I like that. That's good. I'm not. That's. I'm not even gonna lie to them. Like when you're 18, and like I'll even video record it. So when they turn 18, like I told you, I would do this shit. <laughs> man of integrity here. <laughs> but yeah. Um. But as far as it goes, like with what I look about kids' lies, though, I think Eddie Azar did like a great bit on it. Was like the pointlessness of some of their lies, but like the extreme cover up. Like, did you brush your teeth? No, I was dead at the time. <laughs> have you actually heard that one? Because I've heard that one from like I remember when I was a kid, I said that, and I remember my friends' kids are doing that. And I'm like, yeah. how do you get away with? I was dead at the time. <laughs> they've not gone. They've not gone quite that far, to be fair. Uh, You're I've, lucky. I've heard, for, like if you brushed your teeth, um, I've lost my toothbrush. <laughs> you only went into the bathroom. What, what do you mean you've lost your, to- well, your toothbrush? Is in the bathroom, man? Yeah, but I can't find it. Well, you're not in the bathroom, so you do. <laughs> it, 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 but just to backfire it on them that's great oh, I was dead at the time and you know I, my my son when we were, he was about nine-ish nine, mm-hmm. ten that, that type of age yeah um, he, we were watching Spider-Man uh, and he, he just came out with oh I could do that dad go on then I, I can't do it on Tuesdays <laughs> I love the fact it's on Tuesdays specifically <laughs> on the day <laughs> was it an actual Tuesday though? 
It was an actual Tuesday. <laughs> I gotta give it to him. That, that's like a pre-planned lie, isn't it? Like, I'm gonna find a get out of jail free card in this if it kills me. <laughs> it was brilliant. It, it was. I just sort of like, you're all right. You, you, you're gonna be fine. You are. <laughs> it was brilliant. Honestly, it, I, I, I would tell this story about him to anyone as like one of those first couple of stories you tell about your children. Because even all these years later, it still cracks me up. I think it's brilliant. You, you, you gotta have those. Like, my parents, thankfully, don't tell the story. Like, my sister keeps trying to tell the story about me as a baby. I'm like, that shit's never happening. I will share the story with you off air, Ben, because no one else is gonna hear it, because this shit is slightly embarrassing, but also kind of awesome. It may have led to me, like, cracking my head open as a child, but it's still pretty fucking awesome. And you will actually hear about this afterwards. Listeners, maybe I'll tell you on a different episode. I'll debate about it. But, um... No, one of the things I really wanted to ask you, particularly when you're actually trying to spot someone lying, what are some of the cues that you look for? Um, well, I don't look for anything particularly. Well, I know you don't because it's so practiced, it's unconscious. But I mean, like, you know, what should yeah. you look out for? What I'm doing for what I'm doing at the start is I'm going to develop a solid baseline for them as a whole. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to monitor how they are with things that I know irrefutably that they would be comfortable talking about regardless of the stakes like they would be comfortable talking about their day or their feelings on a favorite sports team it just depends on what situation i'm going to be reading them so in that nature in terms of lie detection the, the first few things that i've noticed to be uh not necessarily popular but i think that would be a, a, a good word to use is voice inflection, it goes up, because societally speaking, you're taught to not lie to your fellow man. It's it's a difficult thing to do off the cuff mm-hmm. when when you're not prepared for it. So there's a, there's an inflective tone upwards towards sentences, and sometimes that they can sound like they're a question uh, in in the way that cheerleaders sound in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the tone can just slightly go up at the end. Um, there's, there's a decrease in um, illustrators. Like, I, I'm very handsy and animated with the way that I talk. Now, if I'm going to be experiencing an emotional stress peak, then that would deplete, you know, preparing for the Darwinian freeze, fight or flight mode. I'm trying to bring all my blood back to the middle. It would deplete somewhat. I might still do it a little bit, but it, it's, it's back towards the center. And I would uh, increase my manipulators, my pacifying behavior in terms of, uh, gentle rubs towards the skin or airing out of the collars, these, these types of moves. And in, in particular, there's, there's things like um, the contractions are obvious, but when, when they repeat elements of sentences back to you verbatim, almost word for word, to stall for time in order to prepare. Like I, I used to play a game as part of my close-up show where I do the three truths and a lie game. And... Um, Immediately, so I, I talk about the three truths and a lie to somebody, you know, explain it all. I'm the right go, statement number one. And immediately with statement number one, you know, the comfort thing about somebody is they're going to go straight to the truth because that's what they know. It's, it's comfort. It's going to stall for time to prepare whatever lie they have to do afterwards. So, yeah, definitely, definitely the voice is not just the inflection, but elements of the voice, tone, dry mouth. Um, is another one that gets gets people as well. They they would swallow more to create lubrication. 
um, the, the, the actions of illustrators versus manipulators, like the pacifying behavior and the decrease of animation, um, and the words that they use. The words that they use, as I'm sure you'd understand better than anybody, the words that somebody uses when, when they tell you lies can be so subtly changed mm -hmm. uh, to, to give such a different meaning. And if you're not completely in tune with the with their vocal syntax almost, then a couple of them might pass you by. So th those I would put, like if I was forced into more of a, a top three, uh, those would be the, the behaviors that I would want for the most. They're present in all of the, uh, you know, the world's most popular lies, Bill Clinton's, uh, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, you know, uh, the whole I am not crook uh, scenario. Uh, there's there's many political video uh, not political there's many courtroom videos you can watch as well and you'll see these behaviors leak out in terms of gestural retreats the emblematic behaviors that body language takes uh, so yeah but more importantly than that it's it's a presence of mind to be in the situation uh, and not only take part in this conversation but keep like uh, like a, a, a cognitive checklist of some of the things that you are actually seeing enough to know that they're there. That is actually really powerfully true and something I really enjoy as well, particularly because what I'm looking at as well whenever I do this with people is isn't vocal inflection as much. And I didn't actually realize about the whole statement thing because that is actually very, because I was thinking right in my mind, I was like, I could tell a lie almost immediately, but it takes a little bit of time to figure out so the first statement always, nearly always, is true. Yeah. Um, the other thing I actually read, and going to come back to my original point in a moment, the other thing I read which I find hilarious is those that can tell, that can actually catch out the best liars are usually the most practiced liars themselves. And the thing is, and this is where I always tell people, because I used to, I think last year I told them, um, I was on a couple of dates with someone, they were like, oh, so what makes you so good at what you do? It's like, honestly, I, I can tell when someone's lying to me. Like, how can you tell when someone's lying to you? I was like, because I'm an excellent liar. The only difference is that I don't use it for evil. Like, what do you mean for evil? It's like, I just don't like, try. I try not to lie. Will I use a lie to actually protect someone else? Yes. Have I lied in the past to survive things? Yes. But can I spot a liar in a crowd? Probably not. Can I speak to a liar and figure them out relatively quickly? Why? Because every, and for me, it's more of a feeling. I can use, it's the hair on the back of my neck. If that yeah. kind of stands a little bit, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. If I find myself, this did happen last year. I found myself getting into the, okay, so you know when two fighters swing for the fences in the middle of a ring? Yeah. And then they back off and they come back and keep swinging. It's like, there's no technique. You were just swinging for the fences. Yeah. That was the equivalent of the conversation I had with a woman last year. And I was like, why is my back getting up against the wall here? Like, yeah. I'm not even trying to be confrontational yet. Everything this person says is pissing me off. Yeah. Three months later, I found out nearly everything that she said to me was built on fabrication. Like, she built her... Everything she was doing was built on a lie. Like, because the way that she showed her life was like, I live a very glamorous lifestyle, I do what I want, look at how great my life is. Yeah. But then the reality was that she worked more hours in her business than anyone else. She literally was, not even kidding, she was on holiday and she was writing 
she was still working while on a holiday when she was like, I'm taking two weeks away to do whatever I want. I'm like, dude, seriously. So I realized very early on, like for me, lying for me, we're good at doing that, but if we can spot it out for me, I use it more as a way of getting out of a situation so I don't involve myself. Yeah. It just makes, a life, it makes life a lot easier and more fun. So one of my favorite questions as we're heading up to this part of the show, and to like round off my point earlier, was kind of saying, I look for similar things in inflection, but it's kind of that energetic feel I go for. If I don't feel comfortable around you, that's me kind of like bowing out a little bit. You, I felt ridiculously comfortable around, and it's kind of weird for me. <laughs> Thank you. I'm in a in, good way. And vice versa, to be fair. Yeah, like, I'm, as I, I'm just going to, sorry to butt no, in, but as I'm sure you'll have experience with in, in doing this yourself, it can often be not just people gelling with you, but you find it very difficult to gel with others, yeah. uh, be it quickly, slowly, whatever, just because you understand people um, as a whole so well, you know, and it, it, it's cool to meet somebody so quickly and just get on with them, you know? And you're like, okay, this person makes me laugh. We make each other get on. This is cool. Like there was, um, without throwing anyone under the bus, there were a few people at the event that when I met them, I got an immediate weird feel off of them that I had to like back away from. I was like, yeah, being trapped in a corner with you being here <coughs> is kind of, I can have someone else next to me but if you're here, I just feel completely, like, closed off. I need to find a way out. Yeah. And it's nothing against them, because I don't know them from Adam. But the thing is, it's one of those weird things where I feel like if that feeling's flaring up and showing me to backtrack, I'm, I'm going to follow that feeling. It, yeah. it knows what's going on. Absolutely. Um, so, like, one of my favorite questions to ask on the show is what what are three – actually, a few will do it for five – so what are three, uh, what are five books that greatly impacted your life? And here is the caveat. Okay. Three of them are nonfiction. Oh, okay. Two of them are either fictional books or fictional movies or nonfictional movies. Could be either. But you have five. What would they be? Okay. My, my, my three nonfiction books um, would be uh, How to Develop a Superpowered Memory by Harry Lorraine. Nice. Um, that was my first real insight into what's possible with your memory with very little effort. Um, then I would probably say, um, it's it, it, it's difficult to choose just one from the area that I want to, um, but probably fate, uh, emotions revealed. No, I'm going to backtrack that. I'm going to say, uh, the Expressions of Emotion on Man and Animals by Charles Darwin and Paul Ekman. Okay. Um, mostly because that book, uh, it, it, goes, it goes very much into detail of, of how we, you know, how we move our face when we show different levels of happiness, sadness, fear, anger, disgust, all of those emotions. But more importantly, why? And what muscles particularly move in the face, why they do. And and how they impact animals as well, not just canines and felines, but right the way across the board as well. Because I'm, I'm a big animal lover, and so that was that was a real big impact in, in you know not just helping me read people, but understand and how to better my relationship with the animals that I love and care for as well. So definitely that one. Uh, and then finally, um, I would probably say. Uh, 
the, the, I, I think it's called The Definitive Guide to Body Language by Barbara and Alan Pease. It's, it's like a dictionary format. It's a purple love, cover. Love that book. It's one yeah. of my favorites. Um, Brilliant. Um, I'd say this. Okay, so one of the books I will say, if you guys are getting the book on body language, I'd also tell them to get the ellipsis manual. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, ellip the ellipsis, I, I was just going off from when, uh, from when I was much younger, what got me started. But the ellipsis manual for me, because I'd not spent a great deal of time looking into the impact that my words can have on some. I, I spent time looking at it the way that other people's words would impact me and how that revealed information. But that was such an eye-opening endeavor to understand that, okay, maybe these little changes that I can make can change these scenarios where I'm reading these people to make it easier, to make them give more away. To you know, to certainly charge this to stack the deck in my favour. You know, to maybe use the uh, the magical metaphor. Um, but I love the fact that he's taken his behavioural table of elements approach and made this learning of. He's def sorry, he's just resting his head on oh, my shoulder. So cute. <laughs> um, this behavioural table of elements and made this way of reading people uh, almost learnable. Like, like there's, yeah, there's a formulaic learning pattern that you can take towards this, and I think that's a genius move. And I'm not just saying that because I'm I'm good enough to call Chase a friend. I'd, I'd say that if I'd never even met him before. Oh, agreed. Like when I had him on my show. Sorry to interrupt that, Ben. Okay. Like when I had him on my show, that's how I became friends with him. Yeah. Was the first time I had a conversation with him, and then I said, "Yeah, I'll pick up the book because I want to read it." I read it. Now, the problem with that book is, and I'll say this to anyone because of my brain and how it works, it's so dense. It's yeah. probably the most dense book I've ever read on body language. Like, But I will say, start with Barbara and Alan Pease. Yeah, start there and then go. Like, Ellipsis is kind of like your graduation university level kind of thing. Barbara yeah. and Alan Pease is like your elementary all the way through high school. No, that, that's, that's a great analogy, and I, I very much agree. Very much because that shit is like insane. Okay, so what are your two uh, non-fiction books or movies? Non-fiction books. <laughs> Considering you're wearing a Deadpool t-shirt uh, hoodie as well, <laughs> you asshole. I didn't. I didn't even call you out on that. I was like, I was gonna wait till the end. <laughs> Captain um, Deadpool. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I'll have to show you this. It's, it's right here. Yeah, go for it. We'll see. This is this is my my Voltron ring. Oh my god, you have a Voltron ring? Yes. Damn it. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, I would put, I mean, it would seem like an obvious choice to put Sherlock Holmes in there. So I'm going to go. You can put Sherlock Holmes in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go specific, though. I would say The Adventure of the Blue Carbuncle, um, specifically, um, because what that opening few pages really highlights, granted it's in fictional work, but it really highlights the importance of of details and how when you piece all of these details together in the proper way it builds you a very clear picture of some readable information that you can translate into the real world and that story's always stuck with me he he sherlock rips this guy's life apart from his hat and i i, I think it's it, it's it's brilliant it's it's really stuck with me um but yeah in in other forms of fiction um deadpool Absolutely. I've been a Deadpool fan since it was cool, since before it was cool to be a Deadpool fan. And 
when Deadpool the movie, sorry to interrupt you there, but when Deadpool the movie came out, I was, uh, I bought the tickets the, the day of it coming out. And my friend was like, dude, you know, you have like zero money. I was like, you have no idea how long I've waited for this movie. <laughs> no. Cause like, um, cause we, we actually got the movie we, we wanted as well. Cause like, remember there was the one thing I'll respect about Ryan Reynolds and I love Ryan Reynolds. And this is one of the things I respect the hell out of him for. When they were trying to do the Deadpool um, scene in X-Men Origins Wolverine, where they yeah. turned him into Baraka Pool, um, yeah. which is what I will always na- name him. Um, but Baraka Pool was basically Scott Adkins. Yeah. Who is a tremendous martial artist, by the way. Uh, for those guys that don't know who he is, watch Undisputed 2, Boyka. It's basically him. Um, he basically took on the role because Ryan was like, screw you guys, I am not destroying one of my favorite comic book characters. And he left. And then, like, nine years later, drops Deadpool with Hugh Jackman being producer as well and makes the highest-grossing R-rated comic movie of all time. And highest-grossing R-rated movie, by the way, as well. Deservedly so. The second one, I I can... It's got good elements, but still at the same time. I was like, eh, the first one's better. Oh, yeah. For the third one, though. Have you seen the, The Once Upon a Deadpool? No, I haven't. That's on my list. I missed that because I just love the fact that Fred Savage is tied to a bed. <laughs> well, I won't spoil any elements, but I, I, I went into that um, thinking, you know, with the whole, how can you have Deadpool is a PG-13 rating? It won't work. It'll be a middle finger to the fan base that it's pulled up so far. And I, ha- I hold my hands up to being proven wrong. If I so re- it's good. I really, really enjoyed it. Laugh, my God, it was brilliant. Absolutely. I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna like have to wait till it comes out on Blu-ray or something and pick it up because that I did want to watch that, but it was like the timing was awful. Um, that's insane. So real quickly, so if anyone is like thinking about working with you or hiring you, or even like checking stuff out about you, what specifically should they do as a complete beginner? Like, where should they go to specifically as a complete beginner? Completely, uh, I would go for my book, The Monographs, because The Monographs will start you from the ground up of having no knowledge, no working backgrounds in any of this and take you right the way up to accuracy level awesomeness. But the good thing about the, and I will say this as hopefully as unbiased as I can, that even if you are coming into this with a great deal of, of, uh, of years under your belt working these ways, then you will find something within those pages that work for you as well, because there's pages on culti- cultivating a mindset, memory, memory palace work, reading shoes, reading clothes, reading tattoos, glasses, tracing the scenes, language, lie detection, face reading. There's 19 chapters in there. It's a 400-odd page book. There's, um, I, I will say this, though, a couple of the photos didn't come out very well in the print, so I put them on my website as well, so you can see the photos on the website. But yeah, the monographs, in terms of my work and my way of life, that would be the best way to go, because it only gets more direct and niche from there. <laughs> Do you want to know something really cool, because I'm actually on Amazon right now looking at this? Amazing. If you um, if you go to the ellipsis manual and scroll down to customers who viewed this item also viewed your book comes up as well. Yay! And vice versa, so like your book and then his book comes up. So that's pretty cool having you guys on the same thing. I didn't, I didn't um, know. That's 
I'm definitely picking this up. I've got to add it to my reading list first because uh, I I have this weird. I'm freaking OCD about this about what I read uh, every single year. Um, so what I create is I have a spreadsheet which allows me to know exactly what books I should be reading um, for the year. If I go outside of that list, then if I see a book, ooh, this looks like a good book, it gets added to twenty nine, 2020's list of reading. So like 2019's list is solidified now. Nice. Um, other way it is. But yeah, that being said, um, Ben, I freaking love the fact that you've been on here, guy. Uh, you've been on here and actually given so much. Um and guys, I hope you picked up a couple of like key important lessons. I know we were like talking quite a bit, but I want you to listen in. And also I want you to go check out Ben's stuff because this guy's, his work is incredible. But also just seeing him live is something completely different. I had the pleasure of meeting him in London. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't, it's not going to be the last time I meet him in person. At least I hope not. Um, but it, it's a, he's a pretty cool dude. Just go check him out, support him. Um, and I know you've got a YouTube channel as well. What's your YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, it's it's just Ben Cardle. If you pop down into a search engine, my big hairy face will uh, pop right up there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like guys, go check it out. It's pretty cool. Um, and I will speak to you guys on the next week's uh, next episode. Take care, guys. Have a great one. Bye.